Welcome back to another episode of an Athletic Life Podcast. I'm your host, Schneef. Today we have our first female guest on the show, Alyssa Fallon. Alyssa played soccer at SIU. Alyssa, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing really good. I'm glad we finally got this uh, got this recording going. <laughs> this has been in, in progress for a while, trying to match up dates and whatnot. But here we are. You're uh, recently graduated. Is that correct? Yes. That's got to be a unique experience for you. Five years of college athletics. Now you're done. How does that feel? Um, it feels good. I am happy to be done and into the future and just having my life started. I've been, I was in Carbondale for almost five years and back in Vegas now. So I'm super excited to get my life started. Yeah. And that's got to be a little bit of a change for you. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But if you could just introduce yourself for the audience real quick. Who are you? Where are you from? What'd you play? How'd you do? Okay. Uh, well, my name is Alyssa Fallon. I'm from Las Vegas. I played, I've been playing or played soccer since I was seven years old, all the way up till I was 21. I've only played soccer my whole life. I played a little bit of other sports, but that's it. I played club soccer all the way up until I was 17. And then I went to go play soccer for SIU for four years. That's awesome. And SIU division one soccer program. Um, it's in Southern Illinois. So how was the transition from Nevada to Illinois? Um, obviously very different. Uh, I was born and raised in Las Vegas. And I've been a lot, like I've been to other places within the United States, like traveled more than my parents have ever had because I played club soccer and we, I played in the league called ECNL and basically you just travel everywhere. And so, but it was different to live somewhere else and the type of people, like the first thing that I noticed when I came to SIU was the people were a lot more friendlier. Like when somebody's coming up to you and they're asking about your day, they're actually asking about your day and not trying to like get something out of you. Cause like in Vegas in the city, you always have like your guard up. And I just noticed like a lot of people were nicer. And then obviously like the weather, that was a big change. Um, I always said the heat is completely different than from like Las Vegas heat is like being in a blow dryer and then uh, <laughs> like SI, like being at SIU Southern Illinois, it's like being in a sauna. Like you like sweat right. everything and then like in Vegas, it's like bone dry. It's the desert. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be a, a unique uh, experience for you and a unique perspective that you have just coming from, you know, a really big city and then going to Carbondale, it's a little bit smaller. So kind of got the, the best of both worlds there with with your growing up experience, I guess you could say. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, like, got to experience um, in Vegas, like, a different uh, types of people, different ways. Like, no one lives, like, the same life. Vegas is, like, a melting pot of uh, all different types of people with all different types of backgrounds. And so it was really different transitioning to the Midwest, where a lot of people are raised the same way and they've been living in this small town for their whole lives, talking to the same people, talking about like the same stuff. So it was like a different, definitely different worlds. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. You have that a lot in the Midwest. A lot of small towns are pretty similar. So no matter which one you go to, you're going to get the same outcome pretty much. Yeah. What made you fall in love with soccer? You played a lot of it when you were younger. You said you started playing at seven years old and mm -hmm. you played a lot of club leagues. What kept you interested and why do you love soccer? Well, what kept me interested was right off the bat, I got lucky with a good group of girls. I played, surprisingly, I played with almost the same 
group of girls all the way up until I was 16 when it started to get more competitive and more college driven. Because I knew I was going to play college soccer when I was 14 years old. I was like, yeah, this is the road I was going on. And so it was like really um, that's what I like loved about it was like the people that I met along the way because I've been through a lot of injuries and stuff. And as like maybe, you know, like with injuries, like it can take the love out of the sport a lot. Like when I tore my ACL, I like was really like I didn't want to play soccer anymore. But then with all my teammates like coming like to help me and like visiting me and helping me with training and everything, it definitely like made me fall back in love with the sport. But definitely like the people that you meet along the way and like who you play with definitely helps. Oh yeah, absolutely. Being injured sucks. It's it's hard to watch your friends do something that you've worked so hard for. And mm-hmm. you can't do anything to, to help them achieve their goals. So especially, you know, playing soccer, or sports in general, if you work so hard towards something and you've worked hard for your entire life and then it gets taken away from you in the snap of a fingers, yeah, it's hard to continue to want to do it every single day and give your best to that sport because it feels like a piece of you just got cut off. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, no, definitely. Like, I remember people like my teammates, they were, we were like, we were uh, 17 at the time and my teammates would be like, Oh, you're so lucky. You don't have to run. Like you're so lucky you don't have to conditioning. And I'm like in a straight leg knee brace, haven't been able to put weight on my knee. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm so lucky. Like that definitely like takes like, it's sometimes hard, like dealing with like injuries. Like I've, I've had three knee surgeries. And so like, it's definitely taken like a part of like the love of soccer, but just always being reminded of like why you're playing is like, to enjoy this time with your like friends and everything and then like also my dad is a really big part in well both my parents but specifically my dad um he loves watching me play soccer like absolutely loves it and he like that's his favorite thing he's like when I it was my last game he was like crying at my last game and he was like I'm just gonna miss watching you play and like part of the reason is I like was so driven was because I know my dad enjoyed me playing soccer yeah and I'll break that down into two different parts there. We'll go back to your teammates and friends telling that you're so lucky you don't have to run. Yeah. A, terrible attitude to have because <laughs> you only can play sports for so long before you have to hang it up forever. Mm-hmm. And so if you're thinking, if you're in the moment and you're thinking like, oh, only 30 minutes left to practice or only, you know, two laps left of conditioning or whatever, you're mm-hmm. thinking about the wrong thing. You should be thinking, man, I only get two more years of this. I only yeah. get to be out here with my teammates for two more years or you know, I can only go to practice so many times this week and I'm going to miss that. Those are, that's the way they should be thinking. And they're thinking about it the wrong way. Mm, um, no. Yeah. You're not lucky because you can't practice and you just had knee surgery. Like, I don't see where you got lucky from that, but. No. Yeah. A lot of people like when, if they don't go through an injury or anything that was like keeping them from playing the sport, they don't understand how like it can be taken away from you in a second. Like, I remember because I took the full year with my ACL and I remember I was like, because I used to have that mindset where I was like, oh, yeah, like only 30 minutes left, like only one more set of sprints. Like, I used to have that mindset. And then like definitely coming back, I was like, oh, I'm grateful that I get to be here and I get to play and I get to run that next set of sprints. Like, and I also I think that applies to like being able to play college soccer because not a lot of people end up playing a college sport, especially at D1 level. So I think like people forget about being grateful that they get to do this because not a lot of people don't get to. Absolutely. And it's interesting that an injury can make people flip that in their mind from a, 
I have to do this to mm-hmm. I get to run these sprints after practice. There's tons of people who wish that they could be in my shoes playing a division one sport, Yeah, but they can't. So instead of I have to go do this conditioning, it's I get to. And it's interesting how injuries do that. You know, yeah, I've been through a couple of injuries too. And I cherish every single moment I have left up here because I'm going to miss it when it's gone. And mm-hmm. I still have some time left. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, and then, uh, your dad, you were talking about your dad and how he, he loved watching you play and that's what kept you motivated. And it's awesome that you're playing for your family and you're playing for your, you know, not just yourself. That's, that's always a good thing. And it's another thing that keeps people motivated. And it's always, it's fun to see people uh, who support you get a little bit emotional when good things happen. Oh yeah. Like my dad has been my number one supporter, like all throughout my soccer career. He's the one that uh, started, like put me into soccer and like, he put me as number 13 and I started playing with soccer, soccer as number 13. And I luckily, I was actually able to end playing with number 13 on my back. That's his birthday. He's born, born November 13th. So it was nice that I was always like playing with, like being able to have him with me. Like even because like, I was so far from Vegas, like they couldn't come to all my games. And I was always, like, I was mostly injured. So they were like, always, I would always have his support no matter what, no matter how far we were from each other if I was on the field or not on the field. Right. That's a good thing to have. So yeah. you would say that one of the questions I had coming up is why did you choose to play college soccer? Would it be, uh, would your dad have a part in that decision as well? Um, no, he really like, it was definitely my decision. Um, we will, cause I played for a club called heat FC and it's like one of the biggest clubs in Vegas. Um, and it's in this league called ECNL. It's like, um, it's like specifically routed so girls can get looked at like for um, like to get recruited essentially. And I think it, I started it when I was uh, 14. I kind of was just on the top team already. And then they were kind of like, well, they kind of like sat us down. They're like, okay, like college coaches are going to be at our games. Like this is like the moment where you choose if you want to take soccer seriously, like you want to play college level or not. And I was like, well, I like lo- I loved soccer then. So I was like, yeah, of course I want to play college soccer. Like this is like the dream. Like we played against like with the older girls, like the 99s, 98s and we we're and so I looked up to them. So I saw them committing to all these schools and I was like, dang, I want to be like that. And so I kind of just like followed in their footsteps and my dad was like just supported me or my both my parents supported me throughout um my like recruiting journey. Yeah, that's awesome. It's it's good that they supported you no matter what, even if you didn't want to or you did. Yeah. It's always good to have that support. Maybe um, this could be a, a little bit repetitive, but why did you decide to go to Southern Illinois? Was it your biggest offer? But just because, you know, you did say that going from Vegas to Carbondale was a big change. Was it your best fit or was it your biggest offer, your only offer? What went into that decision? Well, it was like, my biggest offer because at the time I tore my ACL like right in the middle of like being recruited. So I was going on all these visits and everything. And then I tore my ACL. And then the next thing I know, I wasn't getting any more phone calls back. Um, Like all the coaches that I was like talking to were kind of like just flaked off because they couldn't wait another year until my senior year to see me again. And then hope that I would come back the same player. So luckily my um, coach, it was like, I was in the middle of my senior year and I still wasn't committed anywhere. And I was like freaking out. Like I had offers from like D2 schools, which like I, like I would totally have been fine with going with, but I was like really like, I worked my whole life to like compete D1. 
So I was like really trying hard and um, I ended up getting picked up by SIU and they, the coach at the time was like, Hey, we're starting like this new program. Like this would be amazing. And I was really liked the way like he put off like, Oh, you're starting something from the ground up. And I was like, dang, like, I want to be a part of that. And also like, it was really far away from home. And I was like, I definitely want to do that. And they were offering me a scholarship. So I was like, yeah, see, I'll, I'll do that. Easy decision then. You get, yeah. uh, get a couple things off your bucket list, move away from home. You're getting paid to go to college. And it's a Division One school. Pretty cool story, yeah. especially from uh, someone who had to work so hard as you did to get to where you wanted to be with injuries. Because it sucks. Um, colleges are also a business, you know. Sports yeah. and athletics and colleges are such a business. You know, it's uh, what can you provide for me? And then I will provide something back for you. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Yeah. A business like a uh, type of deal. Like I got this because I didn't have the best uh, college soccer experience. But um, like the coach, he kind of at the time, he ended up getting fired. But um, the coach at the time, he kind of was just like put on a front to me and my family um, on my visit just super nice super cool dude that like that I thought and then all of a sudden I got there in July for the summer season flipped a switch it was more of like oh you're my player but I don't look at you as a person like it's more of like yeah like how you said like a transaction yeah that's tough that's always hard when uh you know you get these people who kiss your ass in the recruiting process to you know get you to come there and then they're not really the same person. And it's not necessarily that they're not kissing your ass anymore because, mm -hmm. you know, you got to deal with that from time to time, but you can just tell that they're not a person who cares about you and has your best interests in their mind. Yeah. I feel like that happens a lot with, I know cause I have a lot of old teammates and they express the same thing. A lot of, uh, I think I had, uh, 10 girls on my team who also also committed to other D1 colleges and all of them I think except two ended up transferring because of having issues with their coach like being absolutely horrible to them like right off the bat like a completely different person and like ruining their love of soccer and I was like dang like that's like not just a one person experience like I've heard it from like multiple people yeah, that's always tough, and it, it gives bad looks to uh, college athletics in general, but also to schools that they represent. Yeah. So, you know, this could this question could go in any direction, and I'm not really sure how your experience was. You said you had somewhat of a rough experience maybe with college soccer, but why should girls who are being recruited today by, S by SIU go to SIU to play soccer? Maybe they shouldn't. What's kind of your take on that? Well, I know that they're trying to turn <clears throat> the program around now. I had, I don't know if NDSU does this, but we do exit meetings with all the seniors. Um, and um, my whole class was basically like half the team. And I don't know if this says anything, but no one decided to take their fifth year. No one decided they wanted to continue playing soccer at that program. None of the seniors decided they wanted to because they didn't want to come back. And there's actually we've had two coaches be fired within the four years that I've been there. So the program right now is probably not the best environment to for a girl that like actually really wants to have a good experience. Um, I know that they're trying to fix it, 
because in the exit meeting, I was the only one that did the exit meeting. And they're like, oh, we're really trying to put some more money, some more like better coaching, better like in the weight room, like all these things. And I'm like, well, you should have done that four years ago when you started the program. And they're like, we're so sorry. Like, we hope this can help you in the future. And it kind of sucks like for players like me and all my other teammates is like we kind of had that good college athletic experience taken away from us and then I feel bad for some of the girls that are still there because they're kind of like dealing with a program that's falling apart but I hope in the future that's good but I right now I wouldn't say I would tell anybody to decide to go to SIU. That's difficult because you know it's hard when you do just start a program um, and it's hard to find success when you do that but when you have such a, a big opportunity to go out and recruit high talented soccer players across the entire country, you would think it might not be so difficult, mm-hmm. but when you don't have the backing from the administration and athletic directors and, you know, everyone who just has a, a say in what goes on within the athletic department, if they don't, they're not pumping money into a program, it's going to be really hard to find success and also find coaches who want to be there and really invest their time into a program. Cause if you don't have that, then you don't really have anything. Oh, yeah. Like they essentially when they started the program my first year, they did they started the program. They're like, all right, cool. You get this. That's it. And then I remember like we would be eating like during the summer, like during training, like we would get fed and we would be eating Pizza Hut pasta as our meals. And we were like, what is this? Like who feeds who feeds athletes trying to train? that type of food I could not imagine like that's what we were being fed and then also like um I don't know this kind of like goes into I feel like like women's athletics like even though we get the same like treatment on the priority list it's kind of not at the top uh I like tore my meniscus um at the beginning of like when I was there I tore my meniscus and I immediately knew because I've already torn something else in my knee and I told the trainers, uh, the athletic trainers, I was like, hey, I think I I tore something. Like, I, I feel it, I, like it popped. And they're like, oh, like, we don't want to waste money on an MRI if it's if it's not hurt. So, like, just play on it. Just keep playing on it and we'll do rehab. I did that for about a month and a half. And I was like, yo, this hurts. Like, this, like, I'm my knees giving out. It's locking up. Like, I don't know. How. And they waited almost a whole month to get me an MRI again and I remember talking to some of my friends on the football team and they were like we would get an MRI within this week like I right when we said it and then like I talked to the basketball players and they're like oh yeah we would have gotten an MRI within the same day if we asked for one and I was like that's a little crazy and I also had that happen to me again when I tore my meniscus again after that that's that's a difficult situation to be in especially you know, everyone has the opportunity to to perform on the field, so everyone should get the same opportunity to get checked out by your medical staff. Yeah. That's a kind of that shocks me honestly, just because, you know, again, I play you know, I play football up here, but if we needed an MRI or something, we'd get it scheduled like that. I'm not I guess I can't speak for the women's women's um sports teams up here, but I would imagine it would be similar if they needed the care that they would get it right away. Yeah, I just think the, like, at SIU, the athletics-wise, for their priority on women's soccer was just not there at all. It was kind of just like, oh, 
we'll just have them here like oh it's a new program like it was really hard to like not until our last season we did like pretty well and we did like pretty good in our other seasons obviously we didn't do that well because we had our coach fired in the midst of our season and then COVID and then like it was kind of like up the air we trained for like I think we trained for two months without a coach and we were had an assistant coach and we didn't hear anything from like the athletic director or nothing. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> That's a quite the situation for you guys to be in to not know what's going on or not have anyone tell you what you should be doing while you're training. <laughs> no. Yeah. I was, I, yeah, I, I was like, I don't think this happens at other programs, but I guess I decided like SIU does. That's crazy. That blows my mind, actually. I've, no one's had a story like that that I've since I've started doing the show, so that's really interesting. <laughs> um, yeah. What does a like an average day when you were in season look like if it wasn't a game day? Did you guys, you know, lift, class, practice? What, what was that like? Uh, we usually lifted um, in the mornings. Sometimes we had two groups, but I could for like classes. Like a lot of the girls had ADMs and everything, so sometimes we had two groups, and so we would lift. And after lifts, we would go to the fueling station. We have this thing called the fueling station. And essentially, it's just like you can get protein powder. You can get like snacks, breakfast, like anything you need, like to like just to eat. And then for me, I would go and do rehab or some type of recovery or something. And then I would head to class and just go about my day. And then we would train at like for for about two hours and then after you would get treatment or anything you needed after that and then basically just call it a day so depending on you know what time you have class you might not be able to go to the dining center and run home so you'd you'd get some food off the feeling station go mm -hmm. to your 8 a.m and then depending on how much class you have you get maybe a little time off before practice you have a two-hour practice and then a little bit of extra, maybe you want to do some extra work, you want to go to the training room, maybe watch some film. Yeah. So you get down, you know, 7 o'clock, you get home, 7.30, make dinner. You're done around 8.15 for the night. That's a busy day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes there's, like, not even a chance to, like, do any homework. Like, I remember, like, freshman year, we had, like, study hall hours, and, like, we wouldn't even be able to go back to the dorms, like, within the day. And sometimes you're like just you're just living at the facilities essentially yep it's a grind division yeah. one athletics is a, a full-time job for sure no definitely yeah that's what your what your uh, your days looked like without a game what would a game day feel like for us um game day basically like i would get so i'd wake up probably around eight no matter like what time the like the game was and then i wake up Go. We would have breakfast provided for us sometimes. It was very sometimes, and it was, like, maybe a bagel. <laughs> um, oh. But then I would go – I would go probably, like, get scraped or, or – not scraped, or just something, like, stem or something before the game. And then I would – we go to the locker room and just chill out in the locker room, get dressed, go to the fields because our locker room wasn't, like, where our field was. But then go to the field, and then there was, like – a another like little locker room within at the field get taped up whatever we needed taped and then you kind of just wait we did like a locker room and our coaches would come in like 10 minutes before we go out and talk to us and then yeah we'd go up and warm up and then play would you guys so do you guys play at the the same place that the football team plays in SIU 
No, we play at the track field. Okay, I guess I don't know where that is. Because I was going to say, at the football field, you have to walk across this big parking lot. and Oh, from yeah, the that's like, the guest right locker room where, yeah, like right where, like, you guys walked out, our, like, um, locker room is, like, to the left of that. So, yeah, like, you. that's, yeah, so we don't, we don't walk there. We have to drive to our fields, but it's, like, a two-minute drive. Yeah, that is one thing that SIU does that is so different. SIU and Western Illinois are the only places that I've ever played where you have to, like, walk a distance to get to the yeah. field. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's a little weird, but honestly, their facilities, like, I, well, I haven't, like, I went to probably only one other big school, like, on my visits i went to st mary's in california and looking at the facilities i really enjoyed like siu's facilities um they had like their weight room was really nice they actually redid it the year before i like came there and then our locker room was like decent nothing compared to like the men's basketball team or the women's basketball team or anything but it was decent facilities well at least they took care of you guys that way that's yeah that's a good thing <laughs> Um, what was your favorite game at SIU? Um, I think my favorite game was probably when I scored against Mizzou. We were playing an exhibition exhibition game against Mizzou, and it we they scored like immediately, like right off the bat, and we were like, "Damn, we're gonna get our shit like rocked." <laughs> and so I was like, oh, "Okay," so we had a corner. And my friend, my teammate, Ashlyn, she crossed it in. I was on the keeper, and I stepped off the keeper when the ball got served in. And then um, my friend, Christy, she volleyed it towards the goal, and it, like, landed at my feet. My back was turned towards the goal, and there was a defender right in the back, like, behind me. And I just, like, I, I, like, just – it was, like – it was so weird because – you don't know, like, your body just, like, instinct, like, knows what to do. Like, I didn't have to think about it. I just, like, did a move, turned, and scored. And it was probably, like, one of the best moves. First, my first college goal ever. So, that was really cool. Like, it was against Mizzou, which is a huge school. And we were, like, wow, we're tied 1-1 with Mizzou right now. SEC school. That's big time. Yeah. That's it, awesome. It was, for, it was the first school, like, that SIU has ever scored in, against, like, a big school like that. And I was like, oh, I'm like, I'm going to go in like program history for that. I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> there you go. Something to take with you for your time. Yeah. There. Is that the best performance game you've had? Or is there a different game where you absolutely dominated? Oh, no, I wouldn't say that was like my best performance game. But um, I played, we played against Evansville. Um, I remember it was double overtime and I played the entire game. And I thought I did. It was probably one of my best performances I've ever played. Um, and we won double overtime and yeah, that was probably definitely like the highlight of my career. A lot of goals or just a a good game overall as a soccer player? Well, not a lot of goals. We were tied like zero, zero double overtime and then we finally scored at the end. But yeah, sometimes soccer, soccer is not very, a lot of, not a lot of goals are scored (laughs) sometimes. Yep. No, that's completely understandable. Yeah. How was college soccer preparing you for life after athletics? Well, as we like kind of mentioned already, like college, like college sports is just a different breed. Like it high school, like playing high school sports, it's so lax. It's like, it's definitely more fun. It's not a job at that point. Like 
your whole life isn't like centered basically around sports or it, it can be, but not really, not as like when you get to college, but it definitely taught me a lot of lessons, like how to deal with like hardships and like going through like not, things not going your way, like right off the bat. And definitely like I've had some, I have three knee injuries and definitely it taught me to how to face adversity. Like, if I don't get it, you have to work hard to get where you want to be. And I feel like a lot of college athletes have been through that. Like, say, like, when you went from high school sports and then you go to D1 level and you used to be this top dog on your high school team or your club team, and then you go to school and you're like, you look around and there's people that are just as good as you, if not better, and you're trying to earn, like, playing time. So, like, you definitely learn how to face adversity. Oh, yeah. We've all been there. Every single college athlete has been there. No matter how good you are, someone is always going to be better at you when you're a freshman. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It's a tough pill to swallow. Like you said, you come <laughs> from your high school team and you're the top dog and you get there and now you're the bottom of the food chain again. Everyone's better than you. You have no clue what's going on. Yeah. Oh, that's tough. Absolutely. No, and, and you definitely learn how to like um, time management. Like you're have practice film weights like other thing rehab and then you have school to like juggle on top of that and like a lot of people like can't do that and be like successful on the field and off the field like I know there was like at least from like my team it was like we wanted to have the highest GPA um like in the women's like athletics like we wanted to have the highest GPA and so we always strive for that but it's hard it's hard to time like juggle that those like two things school and sports so I think that's like a really huge uh, life lesson that you can put towards the future right and also you're trying to find a social life too because if you mm-hmm. you don't get away from sports and just school you're going to drive yourself crazy yeah and also you as an athlete you know how important sleep is and so you can't be going out all the time not getting sleep not you know helping your body recover so that's why it's important to be hanging out with the right people who have the same mindset as you, who are going to be successful like you, because mm-hmm. maybe sometimes you have to sacrifice some of that social part. But if you're hanging out with your teammates or your roommates who are doing the same thing, you can still have a good time and good social life while not completely messing up your athletics. Yeah, it was definitely like that was definitely hard to find a good balance with um, our coach, our first coach um, of the program. He first essentially, coach. yeah, our first coach. Um, he essentially, like, when we came here, he was, like, no, he was, like, no parties, no hanging out with friends, like, you're here to play soccer and get an education. He was, like, I don't want to see any of you guys at parties, nothing. He's, like, if you are, somebody's going to tell me, and you're going to be kicked off this team. So, as a 17-year-old, I was, like, wait, what? Like, I can't, I, it was hard, because I was, like, well, I want to be able, like, to have soccer and a social life. And so it was kind of hard to find that balance and navigate with like a coach that is like that. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be difficult. And also you're 17 years old. You're not very smart. You don't know what his best. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough and interesting time in your life when you really figure out what's important to you and what's not. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. You, you learn to grow up. You make like a lot of mistakes. I know I made a lot of mistakes but I know, like, when I came back, like, my dad says this all the time. He's like, you're nothing like, he's like, in the best way possible, you're nothing like the girl that 
left four years ago and to now now like he was like you are so like much more responsible so like selfless like because when we're young we're like very selfish i would say but i like once like i think sports definitely made me grow up a lot more than i would if i didn't have it i definitely became more selfless because you're on a team you're not just playing again like for yourself like it's not an individual effort like yes there's moments where you are an individual but you're playing with a team and you're making all these sacrifices, all these hours of like being in the weight room and at practice and watching film, like the, like, and not like say out partying, like you're or like out socializing, like you're sacrificing those things for other people. So you guys can be successful on the field. Oh, hundred percent. I completely agree with everything you just said. How has that shaped your future and your plans for the future how can you take this new person and and do what you want to do and what is that well obviously like going like from college and like you're just like school 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 well now like you're out in the real real world like luckily I'm able to live with my family until like I find a like stable job and like my career like it's hard you're trying to apply for all these jobs and it's like oh, qualifications, qualifications, you need this, you need this. So it's kind of like hard because you're just being knocked down, knocked down, knocked down. And, but you have to like use, like what I've learned is to persevere. Like if you keep trying, keep going, like I want to apply to FBI in two years. And so I have to get two years of somewhere like in the criminal justice field. That's why what school for is criminal justice. Right. And it's hard like finding somewhere to work at and like enjoy it and it's just like you just have to keep trying and keep going and keep pushing and working hard and one day I hope I do make it to that point but yeah it's gonna be tough but you know just keep pushing keep working hard and you usually get the outcome that you want yeah no one ever you know works hard and regrets it you know what I mean no yeah because if you work hard, it usually it goes well for you and you end up getting what you are looking out of the situation that you're in. But it's a, it's a changing world, you know. You can't, it's hard when you're applying for jobs and they say, oh, well, I'm applying for an entry-level position, but they're looking for someone with at least three years experience. Like, how does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> well, and it also again, seems like when you've been a, a college athlete and they're like, well, did you do anything off the side? I was like, Well, I was a college athlete, so I really didn't have time for that. I was just soccer in in, um, school. So it's just like you didn't really have time for any of those things. But Right. They're like, oh, well, you weren't involved in, you know, student government. Or it's like, well, I don't I don't have time for that. I'm busy all the time. Yeah, no. Yeah, definitely. But I, I know like some people do take like into consideration of like being a college athlete. Like, it's like, it's, it's a job itself. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely is. It's, Mm -hmm. uh, we kind of say up here, you know, being a, on a a sports team at NDSU, it's like a 30 to 40 hour work week. And then, oh, wait, you still got school. You still got lift. You still got homework. Definitely. It's a lot. Definitely. We can't Um, take for granted. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. Then you'd be like retired like me. (laughs) If you could play any other college sport, what would it be and why? Uh, well, I like when I grew up, like growing up, like I didn't play any other sport. I always have played soccer, but I've always like wanted to see like, oh, what would I like would have done? Um, 
I would wish I would have played like maybe like volleyball. I mean, I'm a pretty tall girl, not as like tall, but like to play at the college level probably wouldn't have. But um, or like softball, that would have been fun to play. Yeah, I can see you. I definitely could see you playing uh, some other sports. You're a pretty athletic person, and you are a tall girl. Obviously, we've met numerous times in person, so you know I know exactly you know what you look like and who you are and how tall you are and whatnot. But yeah, yeah, for sure. I definitely could have seen you playing some other sports because I don't think you look at you and you're like, yep, that's definitely, you know, a soccer yeah. player. Or that person couldn't play any other sport other than soccer. Yeah. Which I think yeah. is a good thing, but. It's very funny you say that because when I was younger, because um, I was very tall and lanky. And so when I was younger, I'd be on the soccer field and my mom would say, she looked like Bambi on ice. Like <laughs> I was everywhere. I like couldn't stand the parents would be like, take down that tree, chop that tree down. Like, I was like, so it's funny because, like, my mom was like, yeah, not until you're around, like, 15, you decided, like, you started to look athletic. Oh, <laughs> uh, kids are funny, man. Yeah. Absolutely are funny. Did you have a welcome to college athlete- athletics moment? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, our first practice um, ever, we put our cleats and then – we immediately started doing our fitness test and we did our fitness test and a lot of like, I think it was so bad because only like two girls passed because everybody was so nervous. Like we had girls throwing up and like girls like hyperventilating, like everybody was so nervous and our coach was like ripping us a new one because it was the first practice of like, the first like women's soccer team at SIU and so they had the news out there filming us and he ripped us a new one and he was like you guys better play your asses off right now he was like I he's like or I'm gonna regret ever recruiting any of you guys so we get on the field and there's girls like taking out everybody on the field like rocking like going in hard (laughs) and I remember I was like oh shit I was like well I better make sure if I'm going to go in a tackle, I'm going to go in 10 times harder than her. So I did. It was like me and one of my teammates and we just like collided with each other and like just knocked the wind out of both like each other. And it was it was so bad. But yeah, I think that was definitely a moment where I was like, okay, yep, I'm here. This isn't club soccer anymore. No, this is this is real. This is the big time. Yeah. Oh, man, that's a pretty good one. I, you know, I would be nervous, too. You know, your first ever practice as a, as a sports team at that university, like that's a big deal. Absolutely. is, And mm-hmm. of course there's going to be media. There's going to be pressure from the coach. The players are going to feel it. To, yeah. Could be a stressful environment. It could be for sure. Yeah. We were all like eight, like 17, 18, 18 year old girls. Cause we only had, um, and cause we were all freshmen. All of us were freshmen and we probably had four transfers that were juniors. We didn't have any seniors, nothing. So we were all nervous. <laughs> that's a, interesting and unique spot to be in. I don't think I've ever heard of a situation quite like that one. Nope. I have a lot of those instances (laughs) at SIU, obviously. Oh, well, that's kind of like all the scripted questions that I had. If you wanted to bring up any other topics to talk about, absolutely we can, or we can, we can go into the soccer talk segment that I have planned for us. Uh, We can do the soccer talk. I think we went through everything. All right. Sounds good. So again, just, uh, just to go over it with you, I'm going to say some some terms that the average soccer fan might not know. And then as quickly as possible, you're just going to give us a definition of those terms. Okay. All right. So bending the ball. 
Um, so essentially, like I would say you would bend the ball within like if you're taking a free kick and or a corner or crossing the ball in. So you're kind of like hitting the ball. I would say it's hard to describe. You're like lofting the ball and you would hit it on the side of it. Like it's kind of hard to describe. <laughs> but you're just kind of hitting it and trying to make the ball curve in the air. And essentially, this is really good if, like, the angle that you're hitting it at and sometimes it could throw off, like, defenders or the goalie because the ball is, like, moving in a direction that you didn't think it was going to move in. So that's essentially, like, what bending the ball is. <laughs> Trap a ball. Uh, trapping is when the ball comes out of the air or the ball is bouncing and you essentially just, like, uh, let it land on like the inside of your foot and like put it on the ground. Volley. Uh, it's when the ball is like in the air and you just hit it with your laces or the inside of your foot in the air and you volley it wherever you are trying to hit it at. <laughs> Set piece. Um, it's like a formation. Like you're in a formation on like a free kick or a corner. Um, and basically like we used to put in, like you would, somebody would say something or we would throw up like one, two, three or something like that. And depending on what the set, like the play was like girls would run in different directions. We would hit the ball in a certain area of the field and yeah, everybody had their own little role that they had to memorize when this uh, play was called. Playing the blind side of the field. Okay, so I think what you were trying to say with playing the blind side of the field, uh, I would say, like, switching the ball, so, like, switching it. Um, essentially, like, you would kind of want to play it like a through ball. Uh, it's like breaking the line of defense, and the girl is running from the other side of the field, and you're kind of playing the through, like, the ball through the line of defense behind them. And so the girl makes a run basically essentially on their blind side so they can't see you. So it's that, that was the last one. But so yeah. uh, essentially it's like you're crossing it, the ball across the field, your teammate where, you know, the ball's currently yeah. not at. So you're crossing it to the other side. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. And sometimes it can just be a, a ball, like just played on the ground, um, like split between the defense. Cause sometimes the defense is called like, it could be caught flat. So like, uh, there's four usually uh, teams playing a formation with a four back. So essentially like they would just play the ball through with it, like the center backs. And so it kind of like get them like flat on their feet. And so they would have to turn and like turn and sprint the other direction if they were wanting to get that ball. Hmm. So, Interesting. Yeah. yeah, that was, yeah, uh, it's easier if it was like on know. a board to explain. <laughs> yeah. That was definitely one that I did not know when I was, looking up some of these things to ask you. I, uh, I had a good idea of the other ones, like bending the ball. You said it's kind of hard to explain, but I imagine it as if, you know, you have like your free kick or whatever, and there's yeah. people in front of you and you're trying to like essentially bend the ball around the wall of people to mm -hmm. like, that's how I kind of would have explained it if I had yeah. to. But, and I was like trying not to use the words that you were like already trying to say like, oh, how do you trap the ball? And I was like, oh, well, you, you trap it. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, that's always <laughs> tough to do, too. Like you can't use the word in the definition. So you got to think of some other word that means the exact same thing. 
No, and also it's like I would probably like if I ever asked you like about like football questions, like it's just like second nature to you. It's like, oh, these are things that like you don't even think about when you're playing the sport. Yeah, absolutely. It just it comes to you right away. Yeah. Well, you did a very good job. I think uh, people <laughs> will understand what those terms mean if they if they are listening to this. So thank yeah. you very much for that. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this was this really is- fun. Thank you. Thanks. You know, I know you've been busy. Uh, you know, I've been busy and we didn't have a, a good time to line this up until now. But I'm glad that we kind of just kept hammering away at dates until we found one that worked. Yeah, me too. I'm glad that I was able to do this for you because I know I said I was going to do it. I'm glad that I finally did it. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Again, it was really fun. I enjoyed having you on. Um, I know that the audience will like this one. Again, first female athlete on the show, Alyssa Fallon. Thank you very, very much. And you have a great night. Of course, you too. (laughs) Thanks for listening, guys. That's the episode. I'll try to get out some more episodes soon. We're still trying to line up dates with some of these other athletes coming up. But we will be pushing out more content to you soon. Just continue to share, like these. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening and have a great night.